I think we'll go straight into the markets um, in terms of um, what's uh, what's expected this week. A lot of uh, financial institutions, particularly banks, have been releasing their uh, their, their full year results. And and for me, among all this, uh, what really stood out for me as we start the discussion is on. Uh, I want us to discuss on a stock that I'm, I think is going to be a hot one this week, mm-hmm. and uh, the stock is housing finance. Yeah, <laughs> gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if you've seen, um, uh, Britam announced that they want to sell part of that stake yeah. to to a local bank that has the muscle to increase the, that mortgage pie. Uh, looking at Hisahap as we speak right now, housing finance has gone up by nearly ten percent, nine point nine four percent. Yes, it's interesting. This takes me to another. I tried to compare this to what happened to NMG when they announced the share buyback. Yeah. For the next two weeks, that share price has yeah. uh, um, uh, skyrocketed by nearly 25%. No, more than 50%, actually, around 60%. Yeah. Uh, once this announce- announcement was made, uh, housing finance has gone up uh, pre market. Uh, 30 minutes after market opened, it's up by 9.94%. David, what should you expect, man? Yeah, you know, I actually find that interesting. Well, okay, for so to give some background, around 2014, first of all, equity sold its 24.76% stake in housing finance to Britam. That stake was worth uh, 2.4 billion. And then now three years later in 2017, NSSF sold its entire stake in housing finance. So it seemed as if people were just trying to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. And so now in 2020, another three years later, Britam now wants to sell um, its stake, part of its stake, not, they haven't said in its entirety, such that they might be able to focus on their um, core core business, for that's for Britam. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I actually expected the share price to go down because mm-hmm. it seems almost like there's a loss of confidence in the company. However, it's going up, it may show that um, since Britain wants to give it to a bank, to a big lender who can inject the necessary capital, that in the long term, especially or possibly if that bank is equity, if equity wants to expand its mortgage arm through housing finance, um, housing finance could really recover in the long term. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we're yet to see who it sells this particular stake to, mm-hmm. if it actually manages. Yeah, but it's it's unfortunate for 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 Britain because the in what year was that? When they initially bought their stake, their stake was worth what was it? Two point four billion. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and you remember, I think particularly during the 2014-2015 bull run, yeah, uh, housing finance was one of the hottest stocks in the market, man. Yeah, it was doing really well. Yeah. But now their stake is now at current share price. Their stake is now roughly six hundred million. Yeah. So they've lost over seventy-five percent of value. That's a real significant hit, which is unfortunate. But um, <laughs> you know, these things happen. Could you compare this to what happened to GameStop, like? GameStop. Like they are devaluing the shares and they will go up after a while. I'm sure I'm just asking. Uh, Interesting. Uh, well, my thinking is. The market manipulation. Not really. Uh, I think the question is uh, <clears throat> are, are there, uh, is Britain going to put more shares into the market for the retail market? Uh, generally, the acquisition strategies. Is it, uh, uh, I'm assuming, are they going to put more shares in the market in addition to getting, uh, let's uh, say, a bank on board? Okay, so most likely it will be a direct transaction. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
as per the article I've read, there's also likely to be some, what some say by retail investors. Yes. To what extent we do not know, because the details of the transaction mm-hmm. aren't yet clear, okay. in a sense. And as per Lea's question, Lea asked if it has some similarities to GameStop. Mm-hmm. Not really, because you know this is not a, a short squeeze of, of any kind. It's just a, a transaction people are buying into the, you know, Buy what is it? Buy the room, news, sell the room. Mama. Yes. Buy the room, mm. sell the news. <laughs> one of one of those. Yes. Yeah. So in the short term, I'd see the sharp. Okay. As as we're seeing, the sharp price is like to continue going up, but mm-hmm. until the actualities or the real details of this transaction play out, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know the long term prospects of the company. We don't know if it will recover. We don't know. Uh, what's going to happen going forward? So right now, genuinely, I'd say if you're buying into uh, housing finance, it's buying into speculation to a large extent. Interesting. I, I think maybe one of the reasons could be that um, given that they haven't disclosed the the price at which they're buying the stock, I'm assuming probably is it, are they going to go with market price, uh, open yeah. market price? Uh, do they have like a, a determined uh, price? So I think given that the details aren't clear, that's why we might see the share price going up. Speaking of uh, Britam and its investments, Britam has a new CEO, uh, yeah. a guy who previously used to be the CEO of uh, Old Mutual. Mm. Uh, I think his reputation with regards to management uh, is, uh, um, I think he's been good given his performance at uh, at uh, Old Mutual was, was an excellent one. Yeah. So I think when uh, when when Tam announced that uh, Wereg will be exiting and this new guy will be coming on board, it's called Matt or something, a yeah, very hard name. Uh, but yeah. uh, one of the things that we've seen over the last few weeks is some more of a restructuring, mm. uh, which includes uh, uh, they, lo- they let go of some employees, uh, yeah. they restructure the entire operations from asset management to general investments. And, um, and another thing that uh, uh, which we've just spoken about is the, he wants to cut some of those assets that he thinks yeah, are those unprofitable yes, decisions, exactly. investments that are not making sense. Yes. So there's a yeah, actually, yeah, there were yeah. top management yeah. and they also uh, there like were, he's, he's cutting yes. off the fat to help the company run yes. easily. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of of, of of this guy's strategy and the company going going forward? Well, it seems good. He seems like a visionary and, uh, you know, having a good track record with regard to Old Mutual, it shows that what he's doing, uh, he essentially knows what he's doing. And going forward, um, there could be long-term recovery with regard to Britam. In fact, doing way better than um, it has been doing in the past. It's a good thing that they're actually cutting aside the, those things that are not necessary. You know, of course, this is unsustainable. You can't keep on... <laughs> cutting at the expenses per se you need to kind of grow but i think he's doing this cutting uh, with regard to these unprofitable divisions etc mm-hmm. such that they can focus on the core metrics of the business insurance mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to become an even larger insurance provider within kenya and possibly expand uh, even more outside mm-hmm. so it's it, having a good management team or a good manager is a really good sign for a business okay. like you may not have even seen the profits per se of the business, but you see the long-term potential. And that is evident in a lot of companies. I mean, you can think of like Baksha Hathaway, you know, that good management, um, uh, many tech companies. And so seeing his management strategy, it actually gives me hope in Britain that the company will do well over time. Mm -hmm. 
to actualize his vision. And we'll continue seeing that over time, what his vision actually is, what he uh, aims to do for the company and the like. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, speaking on uh, strategies of companies, uh, an interesting thing that came out over the last few days was that uh, the government, Kenya's government, had uh, withdrawn a bill to nationalize Kenya Airways. Yeah. Uh, this comes at a time when Kenya Airways is expected to release their uh, their results this week. I think that should be the uh, full year results covering the period between 1st of January to 31st December yeah. uh, 2020. Uh, and, and I think during the half year, the loss so went to I think about 21.7 billion, 21 point something billion. Okay. Then, guys, what's your expectation? Yeah, what do you expect about uh, about uh, Kenya Airways going forward? General overview: Is it a good company to invest in? Is is, is the government doing a good thing to put that down this bill of nationalization? Mm. Okay, what I think about Kenya Airways is Kenya Airways has really been affected by the COVID-19 pandemic because of the travel bans, the restrictions, and honestly, right now we are facing a third wave. We are not really sure whether we'll be able to control it, or countries might go into lockdown again, or we don't know what will happen. We're just hopeful for the best and prepared for the worst. But what I think is for right now, Kenya Airways is on my part mm -hmm. it's not really a good company to estimate i'm sure about there's a lot of uncertainty holding the covid 19 pandemic holding investors we don't know what will happen like will they start getting the existing people are supposed to get the covid after you get a vaccine you're supposed to get something so you can travel oh yeah those covid words a passport travel passport yeah, yeah, but yeah will they get it what what will happen to kenya i was like what's going to my part, I don't think so, but yeah, yeah. Uh, so a number of years, and in fact, it's been struggling in light of poor management. Mm -hmm. Now, the idea to nationalize it, honestly, to me, does not feel like a good idea because what the bill is actually proposing is that they want Kenya Airways to merge with Kenya Airport Authority and also the aviation investment company and they want to create a new company that's called kenya aviation corporation it's a holding company of sorts and so it's like they're merging a really good entity which is kaa which actually announced profits of 2.5 billion and they're merging it with an entity like kq which has serious managerial problems a lot of corruption a lot of issues that have plagued the company for a number of years so this merger, this nationalization of sorts to create the new entity, it seems like um, KQ is going to drag KAA down with it, unfortunately, uh, the, to be honest, from all that I'm viewing. And actually, the, the reason why the, the, there's been a lot of complaints from a lot of associations who are looking at this deal and saying that this would be a new way to plunder uh, money, to siphon money out, you know, because mm -hmm. now those the problems in kq are still there it's not that they've changed all you're doing is that you're nationalizing it in fact you're making it a bigger entity and the assets of kaa are over a trillion mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. as in that if you don't have a good um strategy going forward if you don't have good management and the like mm -hmm. things will just get much much worse mm -hmm. for kq and now for kaa as one entity and also you know there could be breaches with regard to 
uh, what it, what's it called interests and the like. So I really actually don't hope it's. I hope it doesn't go go through. Uh, apparently, it's been delayed for the next. It might be delayed depending on how Tuesday goes for the next six months. That's uh, bill, because the. Yeah, the MPs haven't received their money. Okay. So in their minds, they're like, how can you give this entity money without giving uh, constituencies money, in okay. a sense? So even them, the priorities are interesting. You know, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's un unfortunate, but it's interesting to observe. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I think it's also good to, to note to our listeners that Kenya, Air was, Kenya Airways was suspended from trading at the NSC. So even if you check out the share price, it's been constant. Mm -hmm. I think when it was suspended, uh, it was trading at, uh, uh, just checking my HISA up to see at what was the time. Uh, can't remember, but it was it was meaningless. Uh, <laughs> but but wow. I think some people benefited on that more of that speculation mode. There was some sort of volatility in there yeah. before the government announced uh, this, this nationalization strategy. And, and then eventually the NSC suspended the share price. Yeah. How, how would you have performed if you held KQ from, is it, what were the highs? It was, was it in the hundreds? <laughs> yes, uh, I think the time it hit over hundred. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and during the listing, I think, you know, there's a time, yeah, it was one of the best performing share price. It, yeah. it made the mm. NSC share price, uh, NSC 20 share index go up to, I think, yeah. one of the all-time highs of, of more than 4,000. Yeah, if I remember, it was listed, I think, around 1996. Uh, I'm not wrong. And at the time it went up, uh, it was performing very well. I think, uh, where did uh, the rent start beating these guys? Hey, when, <laughs> when, when they started that project, Mawingu thing, uh -huh. hey, uh -huh. it was too grand. Okay, grand. Uh -huh. yeah, and yeah, the share price erosion or shareholder erosion there is really unfortunate. Yeah, but I think, I think that's why it's, it's usually uh, advisable if, if you're investing in the stock market. Try diversify yeah, yeah. your options. So don't put all your money in one stock, and don't be emotionally attached to each. Yeah, that's uh, true. Any company. Yeah, and also pay keen attention to management. What they say. If they're avoiding your questions during the AGM, that's um, really <laughs> a, a red flag. Okay. In a sense. Yeah. Okay. Oh, but Felix is also mentioning that KQ did a sharp price consolidation in 2018. So also that may have brought it. Um, down significantly. Okay, interesting. Uh, one more last uh, thing on local markets before we jump into what's happening across the continent and across the globe. Uh, I thought it's good to speak about uh, the local retail industry. Yeah. So uh, for the last uh, some years back, our local retail industry was dominated by local uh, homegrown companies. So yeah. that was Nakumat, Taskis, and the Chumi. Mm. But I don't know what happened. <laughs> it's, the, it's the usual case of management. Yeah, hey. I don't know what happened, but then uh, what we saw is that some of these leading retail chains uh, collapsed mm. uh, at the at the height of when they were supposed actually to to give value to share list that some of these companies. I don't know what happened to them. Yeah. Uh, they collapsed. Then came in. Uh, now foreign companies began taking over the market. An interesting report that uh, we saw last week was that Carrefour is now the third largest uh, retail chain in Kenya. Yeah. Uh, they have actually hit sales of over 20, is it how much? It's okay, so the 2020 sales went up by 30.2% to 25.3 billion. That's okay. a lot. And they've been in the market for less than three years. No, they've been. Four, because they opened their first. They, they opened their first store in 2016. May. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then now they have 11 outlets in Kenya, and then they just opened their second one in Uganda. 
Okay. Yeah. So, so that's a very good, good company. The, and then it's internationally known. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> where did the local retail chains mess up? And, and... But actually, it's not only local. If you look at ShopRite, uh-huh. ShopRite was unable to get into the Kenyan market well. But in Africa, ShopRite is the biggest supermarket in Africa. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. there's something about Kofo, and it's actually in my opinion it's cheaper than most supermarkets in kenya it's actually cheap okay yeah, yeah. actually because they get um what is it they pay suppliers really fast exactly. so suppliers give them huge discounts when they mm-hmm. buy on host wholesale so okay. you know that tends to be a huge issue with many of our uh what's it called local uh, local uh, retailers people can be taking months to pay you back you're supposed to pay immediately Carrefour does it immediately mm-hmm. and of course a large part of why these uh, local companies failed uh, first of all nakuma does managerial mm-hmm. and you know corruption therein mm-hmm. theft uh, what is it taskies was it taskies that went yeah, down yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one is just unfortunate no, so, it was actually about this so you know what i think about taskies was yeah. that you get that thing of being the sole owner of the company mm-hmm. and now there was there was like when the inheritance part of it mm-hmm. so what i got from that is that maybe we are brothers and sisters here and maybe Christ. you guys <laughs> yeah then maybe you guys when the person was starting taskies you did some capital injection in it yeah and maybe i was still in school so it is out of circumstance that i could not put any money in it yeah mm-hmm. but when it comes to sharing i want the an equal part as you mm-hmm. yeah. so it's brought about a lot of yeah okay yeah and it has brought down very many businesses yeah. actually you know naivas would have gone the same route mm-hmm. it's only that uh and naivas and tasky started at the same time but actually together mm-hmm. so actually they, they have a common shavo uh common yeah. On they actually related. related. The guys who started mm. related. Then now Naivas got private equity money. Um, and then now they diversified the board such that it's not mm. family run and owned. Yeah. They brought uh, strategic people, uh, people who know um, the industry well. If you, you know, when a company gets big, you need to sort of divest your ownership from it. You need to kind of push away. You need to be, you know, involve people who, in a sense, know what they're doing, especially in a family kind of enterprise. So that one really brought them down. And then there are cases such that, okay, you see, it's a family business, you know? So now uh, someone is, imagine this is your own company, you're a supplier to your own company, and then now you're supplying at a premium. So for example, the, the cost of CG tomatoes is five shillings, you supply it at 20, and then no one bats an eye. You know, such mm-hmm. things like internal corruption within the company. It's just so unfortunate. You very know? sad, very sad, yeah. uh, very sad. Interesting. Personally, I think uh, what made Kapos stand out is, I think they have a strategy with regards to how they manage their supplies. Mm-hmm. One of the key issues that was there with the previous, uh, or that made some of these likes of Nakumata taxes go down, uh, so in terms of how these people manage their suppliers is that I'm assuming you supply a couple. Uh, so usually what they do is that they have a model whereby a supplier payment agreement is maintained with a credit period, period ranging from seven days for grocery yeah. mm-hmm. uh, supplies to 90 days for electronics and slow moving products. So, and, and one of the things they've done is they source directly from the wholesaler from uh, the suppliers. Yeah. So unlike, I'm assuming unlike the likes of Tusky, someone could go to China, 
buy a lot of things, add up their markup, yeah. supply to the supermarket. Yeah, and they go directly. Carrefour goes directly, which I think is a good strategy. Yeah. And if, if they have the cash to pay the suppliers, then I think... Yeah, it's uh, even an incentive to suppliers yes. to supply. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Because in the retail industry, if your suppliers are not happy, then you're dead. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Interesting. Uh, I think uh, that's it for the local market. Maybe we can touch on commodities. So usually on the commodities bit, um, in terms of uh, the, the tea auction, I think someone asked a question on on how that happens. So every week, uh, the prices usually, just a minute, someone has asked, I'd be more interested in looking at QuickMart. They look like a well-structured retail chain with great potential. Yeah, and also... Uh, There's a question on QuickMart. Okay. The question on QuickMart, in terms of... Uh, I'd be, so I'd be more interested in looking at QuickMart. Interesting. QuickMart received some funding, right? Yes. When private equity money comes in, you know yeah. it's a solid business because mm-hmm. private equity guys really evaluate a company well. Mm-hmm. And so the prospects seem good. I like, okay, may I like how it looks. <laughs> Maybe it's not as cheap as Carrefour, Carrefour per se, mm-hmm. but it seems like a good business. Um, and future prospects look bright. I'm not sure how many stores they have or... Around 30... I checked out last week. Uh, they have around 36 stores. Oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's, that's interesting. There's someone, there's someone who commented mm-hmm. that we are looking at the same trend. Mm-hmm. We, okay, we hope not. But mm-hmm. we also like the way Kenyan supermarkets, they really expand. Mm-hmm. They expand, expand, expand. Then after a while, we just start closing down. Yeah, so we really hope that will not be the case for QuickMart because, as you said, it's really expensive. Even if there's a time the owner said, I'm not sure, but I know he said that it's not a spam, it's a convenience store. Mm-hmm. And you know there's that thing about a convenience store is more expensive than a supermarket because mm-hmm. it's like for the convenience purpose. So that's why they are really spreading into estates and yeah. less into like towns or malls mm-hmm. because they really want to... If you're going to be a convenience store, you mm-hmm. have you can push that expense because there's that. Oh, it's like yeah. you're paying a premium for convenience. Yeah, it's actually there's a, it's called what's capital. What's the in, what is someone a consumer is willing to pay versus the market price? Yeah. Because you can find that sometimes the market price is lower, but you're willing to pay a higher price to get the good because mm-hmm. of the convenience. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that uh, local retail chains haven't really implemented or looked at uh, closely is how they can use the online channels to to increase their sales. Yeah, uh, I think Kapo is, is doing is yeah. doing that very well, yeah. and the, and uh, and I think it's from 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 the conversations that we've had with people in the industry and from the reports that we get from the management is that. Uh, they upped that um, more aggressively in, 20, in 2020 when the pandemic hit. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that's part of what increased yeah, their sales. Yeah. Interesting. Now, as we look across the continent, uh, the Nigerian uh, Central Bank mm-hmm. came out last week saying they actually didn't ban crypto. Yeah. You can use cryptocurrency as you wish. Leah, what do you think? What I think is, this mm-hmm. is a, like, when they when they banned cryptos, they were like, we don't want anything to do with them. When they saw, mm-hmm. Nigeria is actually said mm-hmm. to be the one with the most people who are trading Bitcoin, mm-hmm. actually in the whole world. Mm-hmm. I saw something like that. Yeah, about it. Mm-hmm. So I think after a while, they were like, no, that's going to be a loss on our side. Then last, I think last year, NSE was, the Nigeria Stock Exchange was the highest. Yes. 
in seven. terms of uh, it, it was one of the best performing yeah, stock markets. Yeah, it was markets. one of the best yeah. performing stock markets. So yeah. I think they really thought about it, mm-hmm. and so, so burning cryptos is not a good idea in mm-hmm. the market because people are really interested, and it can actually turn out to be a good thing for the country. Mm-hmm. They also bring in more because the more people they get money from it, the more they will invest. Because Nigerians actually invest in their in their country, they yeah. invest in people there rich people as per se they really invest even in the projects of the others mm-hmm. so it really brings up their country well so i think they just so that was not a very good idea for them so that's why they are denying it now <laughs> even if you would have yeah. just said maybe we have reconciled why would they deny it well, well apparently okay from the, the article that i'm seeing mm-hmm. it's saying that um the cbn did not place restrictions from the use of cryptocurrencies and we're not discouraging people from trading it mm. so what we have just done was that we have prohibited transaction on cryptocurrencies in the banking sector because okay. they don't want banks to be at risk mm. of, the of some sort. The volatility, the high volatility. Yeah, interesting. That's interesting. Yeah. So this is how I look at it. It's it's you banned it, but you're not you are, you don't want to admit openly yeah. that we banned crypto, yeah. Yeah. Uh, which takes me to a case back of Kenya. Our mm-hmm. central bank issued a warning to banks. Uh, saying they shouldn't deal in crypto. Yeah. So locally, if, if, if you are a crypto vendor dealer or anything, and then you, are, you have a bank holding for you the fiat currency, mm. the bank will actually shut down your, your account. Ca- bank account mm. because there's no, the, the, the central bank doesn't want the, to be associated with the cryptocurrency, especially Bitcoin. Mm. I think it's the same case with Nigeria. So in a way, uh, if you ban crypto, the banking industry, how does settlement then happen? So the only way these people are left to do crypto at the moment in Nigeria would be P2P transactions. Yeah. But then I'm assuming you can't load your wallet, then cash out via bank or anything. Uh, and then given that Nigeria, uh, in terms of mobile money, you can't compare that to here locally. Mm-hmm. So I'll give you a good example. The, the, the other way some of this crypto crypto uh, startups could navigate the industry be you open let's say a banking account in nigeria then instead of uh, people loading uh, now given that uh, the easiest way was you load your nigerian uh, say wallet then that money goes into a nigerian account banking account that was cut off yeah. banks actually began communicating towards these crypto startups and most of them were hit some had raised huge chunks of money yeah. basically that went up into the hair then the other easiest way would be use pay, uh, uh, payment sort of uh, channels or uh, integrators so the likes of flutterwave mm. but now flutterwave also i think cut a relationship with some of these crypto dealers so basically you are left to you left out yes exactly drive, yes is, it's interesting because you know central banks actually coming up with their own cryptocurrencies mm-hmm. now uh, okay they're coming up with regulations and the like it seems mm-hmm. like going forward a point in time will come whereby they'll okay you can't regulate you can't stop the internet yeah, in yeah, sense. Can't, yeah. and with the network effect of bitcoin the effects are likely to continue far and wide of course i understand the the fears that the banks bankers have because they're fearing that this thing has a lot of volatility people can really lose their money mm-hmm. etc and that's why in the background they're doing central 
uh, bank backs cryptocurrencies, which of course would really destroy uh, what's it called illegal or illicit uh, trade because now they can track literally every cent. So that one in the long term, we're, we're yet to see how that goes. But I don't think it's a good idea to ban crypto per se at this point in time. Mm -hmm. No, let free markets be free markets. What people want to buy, let them buy. Of course. Uh, some would argue we don't live in free markets mm -hmm. in today's world, mm -hmm. but yeah, and those are my that's my opinion. Interesting. Uh, now I think we can speak briefly about what's happening on Wall Street. Mm -hmm. Are you seen after the uh, after the stimulus package was uh, signed by Biden? Mm -hmm. Stocks and major indices across Wall Street uh, went up. Uh, I think uh, is it that people have. have have so much money on their hands so that they can spread it across the, uh, what's happening there is it <laughs> uh well we might have a repeat of the same such as last year whereby a lot of the money that's being dished out goes towards mm -hmm. um what are they called goes towards assets mm -hmm. so there could be asset price inflation mm -hmm. however i am of the opinion okay I, I think i've explained this once before this thing is likely to end in a few ways no one really knows so you just make estimates and then uh you make what investments based on those estimates mm -hmm. so one of the ways where this or how this stimulus package all of it could end is that a lot of it can go toward asset prices because people don't really have much use for this money a lot of the families that are receiving these checks they it's like extra income that's just coming in and they're they're still quote unquote okay they're not actually that badly off uh, in a matter of speaking. And so a lot of this money is finding itself into these trading apps like Robinhood and the like, and people are, you know, trying out their luck. Mm -hmm. And it leads to asset price inflation. Add on uh, the bond buying program by the Fed, which is um, doing what? Reducing interest rates. So interest rates are at all-time lows, so businesses can take loans easily. Uh, it's easy to finance yourself and make investments here and there, mm -hmm. which sort of to summarize it all, because of time, it leads to asset price inflation. Mm -hmm. So that's one end, whereby the stock market just continues rallying as it is, it continues going up. The problem with that is that over a long period of time, we may have a market that doesn't move per se, a market that's just uh, stagnant, if you will. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what happened or has happened in the past. Like, for example, between uh, 2000 and what? Between 2000 and 2010, the uh what's it called the s p 500 gave a return of roughly one percent mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken and so the reason was after the crash that happened in around 2000 mm -hmm. um people were just afraid of these things uh companies had really high valuations and they didn't of course return to these valuations till after a long period of time had passed mm -hmm. so what's likely to happen going forward is you might have a market that just it will either crash or it will just trend sideways mm -hmm. for a very long time until those high valuations are justified. You get, mm -hmm. you have companies trading at GE 10 times revenues with zero profits, yes. like that's insanity. <laughs> yeah. uh, but people are just buying into them because they're like, ah, it's the future, whatever. So if that trend continues, low interest rates and the like, we'll just have a sideways market for a long period of time. Alternatively, the market could crash. Alternatively, the money right now can move towards, uh, what's it called? Now, goods and services is measured by the consumer price index. So that's how you'd have actual inflation. Like for example, if a country like Kenya started printing money, the money would go to individuals, yes, and it wouldn't actually reach the banking. Okay, it would bypass the banking system quite quickly. 
individuals would take that money and start buying goods and services and the prices of these things would shoot up. In the US, that's not happening per se because this money is moving towards asset prices. So you have asset price inflation. So you have inflation in the US, but it's not measured by the consumer price index, CPI. That's why it seems like there's no inflation. So an alternative ending is that since the economy is opening up, it, uh, this money will go to goods and services. These goods and services, the prices will really spike up. This will force the Fed to raise interest rates. Raising interest rates will raise the cost of capital. The cost of capital being raised will cause the stock market to crash. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so, okay, there, there are different endings <laughs> okay. to this thing. We are not sure how it will end in the long run, but yeah, that's just some of them. Interesting. Uh, meaning, um, are, are you looking at a recovery in the, in the near term? Or? recovery with the, the economy uh, given that the, the vaccines are being rolled out i think you can announce that they have about um, they have vaccinated about 50 percent of the population and that's going on across the globe do you yeah. think once a major uh, a big part of the, of the global population is vaccinated but we might see a recovery yeah the, eco the economy will roll back to be honest it will recover really well okay Th that's why people are justifying the high share prices because they're saying uh, the share prices are high because people are looking to the future. You know, the stock market tracks the future. People are looking forward in a sense. Mm -hmm. Of course, now that depends on how you look at it. So we're yet to see the outcome of all these things, but the economy will recover almost um, immediately. Well, that is the hope, and at least that I have. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, which means, uh, then what are, so you still expect the, the, the stock market to crash? <laughs> <laughs> we have no idea how this will end to be honest okay. but i have companies that i'm looking at that okay. i'm hoping that the share price comes down a bit or i'll be watching them mm -hmm. uh with some distance i'll wait for it to reach a price that i'm comfortable with and then that's what i'll start buying because okay. one of the greatest mistakes that people make is that they pay such a high premium for prices mm -hmm. and then over long periods of time those things tend to underperform the market i'll give you an example if you invested in software in, the, in 1971 and paid the high premiums uh, for things at that point in time, or let's just say software in general, the industry went from having 0% market share to 15% market share in 2019. You know? mm -hmm. Then now, if you had $1 invested in software, you'd have made $76 till now, mm -hmm. over 40 years. If you'd invested in a quote-unquote dying industry, these old industries that people are just, you know, kind of losing... Mm -hmm. Uh, interest or think are boring. May may call them value <laughs> industries like oil. Mm -hmm. Oil lost its market share from roughly 15% to 3% of the markets in 2019. Mm -hmm. But if you had invested one dollar in an oil, uh, something that tracks oil, you'd have had 130 dollars today. Mm -hmm. Yet, mm -hmm. so what's important is do not pay a premium for stocks or anything. Okay. Like it will really hurt you in the long run. Okay. It's better to, it's better to buy a poor performing company, one that is not doing so well at this present time at a fair price than it is to buy an amazing company at a high premium because that poor company will outperform this well price, uh, this company that's trading at a high premium because people have already accounted for that future growth. Don't be surprised if you see Tesla trading at the same price in 10 years that it's trading at today because it's trading at roughly, I think, two times its revenue yes. 10 years from now, assuming it controls like 50% of the market. That is insanely high. But again, you know, people say it's it's not like a company, it's a, it's a software company. It's a software company, <laughs> which is interesting. Yes. You know, it's like yeah. if I... If I run a store selling chickens, 99%, then now 1% comes from 
uh, selling bicycles. Am I a bicycle seller? <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, you have things to ask yourself. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I think there's one analyst who went and uh, and I think uh, part of what he said that I think uh, his target price for Tesla, if you remember, I think that was on Bloomberg. Was about three thousand. Three thousand. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. That's Ak Invest. Yes. Yeah, they, they're so bullish on yeah, that company. Yeah, so bullish on that company. But the in terms of how they view it, look, uh, yeah. and personally, they have always viewed Tesla. Is that look? Yes. Uh, in terms of how, how they have tackled that market. So the the way I think most analysts view it. I'm not an analyst. I'm just a market commentator, and I, yeah. I keenly follow the market. So don't take my advice too seriously. Yeah, of uh, course. So in a way, yeah. in, in a way they see a future whereby Tesla will be able to sell the software service, mm. uh, deploy the software as a service yeah. to other car manufacturers, yeah. right? Mm. One of the things they've also done, they have the distribution, yeah. right? So I'm assuming I'm uh, which can make a, let's say I'm a GM, for example. Mm. I get Tesla software, build my own brick and mortar car, deploy Tesla software in my, in my in my car or whatever, mm. whatever company that is, then because Tesla has built this massive distribution and charging stations, mm. then it's easier for them to use this. Uh, I, 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 that's how I've always viewed uh, it. But then that makes a lot of sense. You know, if you put it in that way, someone can value it highly. Yes. You know, yeah. if you are, yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So I think that's how most people uh, see it so i think that's what that's what they're able to to price in that high valuation at this particular moment mm. but i think it's interesting so um i think to our listeners we we we, we hope one of these finders will be able to access uh, such opportunities uh, of course speculate trade invest or whatever yeah. but you see one of the things that global markets offers people is that ability to diversify and invest across multiple sectors yeah. unlike our african or frontier markets whereby Locally, we have, let's say, 60 companies, only five, six are liquid enough to, you can put in your money. The good thing about global markets is that you can put across different industries. And uh, here at the team at HISA, we are doing our best uh, together with the engineering team, the entire team, everyone. We are working hard to make sure uh, in the next couple of months or hopefully uh, we are working hard. The thing is that we are working hard to make sure that to uh, give our audience and um, uh, users ability to, to to take advantage of some of these opportunities. Yeah. So I think as you close, maybe Davis, uh, your last remarks on uh, this week, then Leah can give us our last remarks. Last remarks. Okay. Uh, I'm not sure what to say. Oh, well, looking forward to, first of all, seeing what the HISA team is doing over the long run, mm-hmm. and also looking forward to seeing more banks give their results because banks have a deadline of i think march 31st yeah. Yeah. so this week we're expecting a lot of financials to come out so i'm hoping to see the how non-performing loans are doing those ratios if they're going up yeah. i i see them i um I forecast them going above 15% for the whole industry which is daunting even though there've been a lot of moratoriums and the like uh because I saw KCB's financials, I saw the, the fact that they restructured a small percentage of their loans, mm-hmm. and yet the non-performing loans still went up quite significantly. I'm imagining more banks restructured more, and because the industry restructuring on average was roughly 54%. KCB's as per full year 20 was roughly 19%, 19%. Uh, which is low. And yeah. you still imagine 
other banks will uh, announce higher and performing loans, which can be a pointer that we may not be out of the woods yet, per se. Yeah, but the good thing, banks have extended some grace period to a lot of people over long periods of time, which is really good. You know, they're caring for the people rather than caring about money full force, in a matter of speaking. Just to add on that, uh, APSA will be releasing their full year results tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, I think, uh, let's see how that goes. Yeah. If, if the South African unit is anything to, to, uh, peg, on. to peg on, well, yeah. they should be really bad. <laughs> but we will see. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Lay your closing remarks. Uh, yeah. Okay, um, thank you guys for joining us today. Uh, remember, this was not advice to buy or sell a share. It is just our in-house opinions. And yes, find us the same place, same time next week. Thank you for joining in, and we hope you have a good week, everyone. And thank you. Thank you. Bye. Bye.